Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry. Me. What's up, Gerald? Welcome to a very special Tuesday recording, Pat. (laughs) Monday was a holiday. Monday was a holiday, and we decided not to record, and now we're doing it Tuesday. Uh, This is a little more laid back, a little more like fresh air from NPR. Yeah, you got that that smooth jams voice going on. I feel like it's the midnight jazz show. (laughs) I'm going to Terry Gross it up a little bit. Hello, friends. How are we doing this weekend? Uh, I'm I'm good though. It's a Tuesday. It's not a weekend. I guess it's a well, weekend for our listeners. Yeah, it's it's Friday. They're they're getting ready for the weekend right now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I I ruined the first rule of improv, Pat. You know, say yes. I should just yeah, yes and yes and yes and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how was your weekend? Uh, it was good. Uh, no one is really doing anything since people are still kind of getting on their feet with vaccinations and whatnot. So. I uh, spent the oh, also it would like rain twenty inches. <laughs> yes, it was insane. Yeah, it was, there was uh, a lot of rain, so I I spent the pretty wet. Yeah, I spent the long weekend inside uh, playing magic and painting Lord of the Rings minis. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I got uh got into painting some minis. Um, Have you done a Gimli yet? I uh, know he's he's on my docket. He's on my docket. He? He's my favorite. I got the fellowship. And I got uh, the elves from Helm's Deep, and then the Urukai from Helm's Deep. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same company that makes uh, Warhammer. They also have a Lord of the Rings line. Oh, do you play the game? No, I just, I just like the minis. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I can't fit another like rule set in my brain, Pat. Like <laughs> between Magic and Eve, and then adding in like Warhammer minis, I, I feel my. <laughs> Both my brain space is depleted as well as my bank account is depleted. You forget about the D and D podcast you also do as well. And D and D. Well, that's, that's why I like the minis is like, I figure I can, I can double them up as like D and D minis. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Covering. That's how I justify it to myself. (laughs) Well, that's great. Uh, We have a great episode. I think on the docket today, we are uh, basically running it back on spoilers again. Yeah. We did our spoiler episode too soon, Pat. Uh, so that's that's the thing is like we get we get very excited with the spoilers that come out, but because they take two weeks to come out, we end up with essentially a small spoiler episode. And then we have another episode where we have lots of spoilers. And then the third week we have all the set out. But by then it's too late to talk about spoilers anymore. So, well, it's also it's like usually it's fine because usually they they front load the spoilers and all like the really good stuff comes out on the first week. And then the mm. second week is kind of just like, meh, but uh, yeah. Modern Horizons 2 is so full of so chock full of legacy warping cards that uh, I feel this week is actually a bigger spoiler season than last week. It's almost like they didn't learn the lessons from Modern Horizons 1. Yeah, I remember when we first started seeing the spoilers and we're like, this seems fine. Like, none of this stuff is too bad. Like, like, good job, Watsy. And then we're like, oh, they back ended spoiler season this year. (laughs) 
they they let us all put our pre-orders in and now uh now we can't back out of them yeah can i just say uh don't pre-order any of this stuff guys because the pre-order prices on all of these cards are absolutely ridiculous this is a print to print to order set as well which means basically an unlimited print run so i think the same thing that happened with time spiral remastered where the boxes started going for 350 and have fallen now down to a much more reasonable price around like 250 260 so uh, yeah, don't don't get too swept up in the uh, high prices, you know, early in the release of this set. It is printed print to demand, so there will be plenty of these cards to go around, and lots of stuff will get open. These prices will drop dramatically, so don't don't get suckered. Yeah, because also there's like cards in here that I'm pretty sure are just not going to end up being legacy playable at all. Mm-hmm. That are going for mm-hmm. like eighty dollars. It's yeah. it's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> well, you know, businesses, uh, you know, they're 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 trying to uh you know well whatever yeah i mean stores are happy like stores probably don't want me saying this because you know that's a lot of free money on their end you know they can of course like i mean they can use it right it's been a rough rough 14 months or ever 15 months that's true that's true so if you're pre-ordering from your local lgs you know i take it back that's a different story yeah yeah pay throw a little extra on top for them exactly exactly well let's let's uh let's not uh delay any further. I know we wanted to kind of use uh Joe Dyer's article because it seems like he picked out quite a few of the uh like the prime choices in there. So I think it's a great place to point people to. Yeah. If they want to follow along with us. Thank you, Joe, because I was going back and like trying to figure out what cards we had already talked about last week compared to this week, because you know it obviously life blurs together. And then Joe Joe was like, Oh, my article came out today where I talked about all the new spoilers this week. I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. thank you, Joe. That's amazing. So <laughs> extra shout out to him for uh, making my life just a little bit easier with uh, organizing all this stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. Me and Joe do disagree on quite a few cards as far as their playability goes. Okay. Well, that'll be a nice little point of contention there. <laughs> I think uh, we should address the elephant in the room, Pat, the one that everyone is so hyped about. Currently pre-selling for $80, the Chase Mythic of the set, ragavan nimble pilfer oh we're just gonna go right into green huh we're not even gonna start with we're not gonna start at the top of the article we're just gonna fucking we're going straight and also it's red it's red oh red sorry i thought i was the colorblind one pat (laughs) uh yeah yeah yeah. ragavan sounds like a. I mean monkeys are usually green right yeah i mean uh, that's true most monkeys are green in the history of magic that is true forgive me forgive me this one is red though which i feel is pretty standard for pirate monkeys and I feel bad, like Pat, people were saying like, this is my invitational card. Like if I would design a card, this would be it because it's a legendary monkey pirate. (laughs) (laughs) But I just don't like this card. (laughs) It's, I think this card is probably the most overhyped card of the set. And I might eat crow on this. You know, we may have this little clip uh, clipped and replayed to me ad nauseum for the next 10 years when this like, bus legacy open and gets banned and is remembered along the lines of like death right shaman and renin six but from where we're sitting right now pat i don't think this card's very good and i don't think it's going to end up seeing much play after the first week or two uh i could not agree with you more jerry i've seen people make out- outrageous claims like this is going to replace delver or be <laughs> this like is the it's new, like this, this is it's, the new it's death delver right and dread horde <laughs> yeah it's dread horde and death and yeah it's dread horde arcanist and delver secrets stapled together um, I think we should go over the just the text of the card, just so people are familiar with it. It's Ragavan Nimble Pilfer. It's a single red for a legendary creature, monkey pirate. 
And basically, whenever it uh, deals combat damage to a player, you create a treasure token and exile the top card of that player's library until end of turn you may cast that card. And it also has ability of dash for one in a red. It's a 2-1 with no evasion. Um, this card sucks ass, and people who think that it's a good card uh, are just absolutely insane. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, and one of those people is Joe uh, from uh, the article that we're saying. But also, uh, I got into a little bit of uh, tiff with uh, Phil from Eternal Dirtles. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Uh, it was a friend. Sometimes a I feel like it's we're the alarmist. Sometimes I feel like we're the alarmist podcast. And then then you have people like Phil, who I think like <laughs> I think he might have just like, I don't, I don't know. He, I think he had a, a bit of aneurysm when he saw this card. I, this I feel, card is. I feel Phil's overcompensating because he didn't like Dreadhorde Arcanist very much when it was spoiled and he thought it wasn't going to be that good. And then he ended up eating a lot of crow when Dreadhorde Arcanist ended up being as good as it was. And now I just feel, Phil, I'm sorry. I think you're overcompensating the other direction. <laughs> I think you're putting too much behind this card. Yeah. Yeah. This card is just not, I don't think it's that good. I think two and a one with no evasion dies to literally everything. It ties to a young pyromancer tokens. It dies to basically anything on the board. Um, no evasion. I guess it does have the dash ability, which is cool. If you want to keep paying one in a red to get a treasure token and exile the top card of your opponent's library. Um, you know, I, I was made fun of because I was like, Oh, what is it? What if it's an off color? And people were making fun of me. Oh, well, I guess we'll just have to, you know, I thought you just got a free Lotus pedal with this guy. And it's like, no, I, I get that. But it it's just like, if you're, you know, the, how many cards off the top of your opponent's deck are actually going to be useful? Like, I guess if it's a bunch of Delver mirrors and you play free ponders and brainstorms, it's good enough. But uh, that's like, seems like the best case scenario. And that's also when this creature doesn't get blocked. Like if I'm paying, a one and a red for a two one with not you know it, it, it without evasion it just doesn't seem like a good deal to me yeah so my big thing also with it is it's a one drop that you absolutely need to play on turn one absolutely you know this card its value goes down significantly as the game progresses like you said because it's a two one it's with no evasion it's so easy to block you need to get it down early in order to start getting that advantage with it mm -hmm. so you want to run four of in your deck but it's a legendary creature. So that means that every comp copy you draw beyond the first is a dr dead draw. And, right. you know, I know people are saying, it's like, oh, well, that's what Brainstorm's for. You can just fix your hand with Brainstorm. It's like people lean on Brainstorm too much. It's like, yes, mm -hmm. Brainstorm is powerful and it can fix a lot of bad draws. But when you start adding in, you know, condition on conditions, onto it and leaning too heavily on brainstorm eventually the deck's just gonna break and you're you're gonna get stuck with a lot of dead hands because you're not gonna have enough brainstorms to do you know all the hand sculpting that you actually need to do yeah so that's a big problem i have with it you need to fit four copies of these in your deck which means you're probably cutting four other creatures so i'm guessing people are going to try and cut like young pyromancer out of their deck in order to fit this i mean maybe some people are going to cut delver but i think that would be an even worse mistake that'd be that'd be bonkers yeah and it's just like like you said pat it's just like it's so easy to deal with like i hate the it dies to doom blade argument you know that's a, mm -hmm. that's a, a terrible argument that i'm not a fan of but the fact that this can just get blocked by literally anything in the format is bad like as a two one this it straight up dies to young pyromancer tokens right and while i'm not a fan of the the it dies to doomblade argument i am a fan of the it dies to doomblade it dies to literally every creature and it's it's just too fragile mm -hmm. and then i think well what a big problem with this is is people are misreading the card because they're so used to having you know a year of playing with dreadhorde arcanist 
they're expecting that you get the value out of this just by attacking with it. Correct. And that's not what the card reads. You actually have to connect. It needs yes. to deal combat damage to a player in order to trigger. Correct. And I think people are thinking about this in terms of Dreadhorde Arcanist and that, you know, it's going to be easier, easy to get the trigger off. And I just think in reality, even if you play this out on turn one, your opponent is just not going to allow you to get any trigger and get any value off of it. Mm -hmm. And if your opponent doesn't let you get the trigger, this is basically a red Savannah lions and that's right. Not quite good enough for legacy. Yep. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, yeah. I don't know. It just, it's just not my, I just think this card sucks ass. And I think people who, who are going bonkers for it are out, out of their gourd. Yeah. Out of their gourd. It's like Veil of Summer all over again, Jerry. Yeah. And I feel bad because we tried to get uh, Phil and Nathan on uh, from both, uh, or Nathan formerly, but Phil from uh, Eternal Dirtles on. Yeah. But they were too scared to show their <laughs> fucking faces. They were busy scheduling conflicts, Pat. They were busy pissing their pants because they knew they were wrong about Ragavan. Um, I can't wait for this to end up being like an absolutely broken card and just cracks the <laughs> this, this getting quoted back to us for like the next I, years. I mean, that is only, that is the way that this podcast goes. So I will I will welcome that, but I highly <laughs> doubt that's the case. Yeah, it just it reminds me a lot about uh what was it, Court Court of Cunning last year? Like mm -hmm, everyone was going mm -hmm. crazy about Court of Cunning, saying it was gonna be the next best thing, it was gonna break the format in half, and I was just like Guys, I don't see it. This card's not very good. In fact, remember Narset and Teferi? Even we thought those cards were horrifying, and then they did basically nothing. So yeah. So I mean, I, I feel this is another Court of Cunning. I'm not going to make the same claim I made about Court of Cunning, where I said I would shred my uh, underground seas if it ended up seeing play. <laughs> they left, Are, left. Aren't you glad that the card didn't make play? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad play. afterwards. I'm just like, man, I took a really big risk for that no reward huge, because it's like huge risk, zero reward. If I'm wrong, <laughs> I I shred like five thousand dollars worth of cards. <laughs> and if I'm right, I get bragging rights. But yeah, then I can't even yeah. brag about it because then I just look like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to make the same claim about Ragavan. I'm not going to take uh take a no risk, no uh, reward bet <laughs> on this Agreed. one. But my personal opinion, I just don't think Ragavan's going to see much play, except in maybe burn. I could say you know pure mono red burn, slotting this in, or <sighs> maybe like uh, I disagree. I, I just think I just think burn will want it because it already has the the creature density with uh, goblin guides and okay. uh, Taylor Swift spears. Uh, and this card doesn't have haste. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, it if it connects for if it connects for two, that's great. It's but if you're not if you're not showing a burn spell off the top of your opponent's deck, it's not what you want to be spending your mana on. Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's a red card that you know quote unquote draws cards, and that's something I would rather on. play. I would rather play an illegal fifth copy of Monastery Swift Spear than one <laughs> copy of this card in that deck. But Burn just has a lot of bad cards in it still. Like there are still just like bad Shut cards your fucking in mouth, Burn. Jerry. There's still just bad Burn cards. only has good cards. Like what is it? Not Lava Spike. What's the Flame Rift? No, what's the let's just one red deal three damage to your opponent? It's like lava. Oh, lava spike. That's not lava spike. Lava spike is Rift Bolt. Is it lava? Oh, wait, it might be lava spike. I might be thinking of Is it Rift card. Bolt? I don't know, but it's just, it's a bad card. I could, I could see running this over, over one of those. I think you're crazy. I, I, I like, I could see burn running this over anything else. Just, I think just because it, I think you're, I think you're absolutely insane. So, you're bonkers insane. So Pat's saying this, this card, is going to straight up not see any play whatsoever. Yeah. I think, yeah, a hundred percent. Absolutely. I, I think we're going to see it for a week or two. 
Yeah. People, well, that's what I mean. When I well, say yeah, no for play, people, I mean, people, yeah. people, to, people are going to try it out for a week or two. Yep. And then I think yep. like maybe burn will play a couple copies as some kind yeah. of advantage piloted by captain insano, maybe, but <laughs> I think anyone, anything, anyone worth their salt and legacy. Uh, yeah. They're not going to be playing that card. Yeah. Don't card's stupid. Don't think Ragavan's going to, going to, you know, be very good at all. So yep. let's move on from that. Send your hate mail, send your hate mail in guys. <laughs> send it directly to me, please. Uh, Gerald.me at gmail.com. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. Um, do you want to go down the list of these cards? Or do you want to kind of cherry pick what we want to talk about? Cause we're, it's going to be a little shorter episode today because we are recording a little later than normal, but um, did you want to yeah, let's go, go let's, down the list? Let's go down the list. Let's just, let's talk All about, right. and this once again is uh, if anyone hasn't read it yet, uh, Joe Dyer's this week in legacy on MTG goldfish, always mm-hmm. a great read. I look forward to it coming out, uh, you know, every week. Uh, or is it every two weeks? I forget if it's every week or every two weeks. But um, I feel like if because it's titled This Week in Legacy, I believe it releases every week. But also, I, I feel like I read them pretty often. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like I like to read them in. Uh, it, in if it, it would be called This Fortnite in Legacy if it was biweekly. Uh, maybe we should come out with This Fortnite in Legacy and, and compete with Joe Dyer. <laughs> I actually like that. But I think what we should do is, is well, we should it should be biweekly. And by biweekly, I mean twice a week, which makes no sense. <laughs> This weekend legacy coming out twice a week. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right. So let's go uh, Esper Sentinel here as the first card he's picked out. Single white for an artifact creature, human soldier. It's a 1 1. Whenever an opponent casts their first non creature spell each turn, draw a card unless that player pays X, where X is Esper Sentinel's power. Yeah, I don't know where it's it could see play in Legacy. I mean, I think this is definitely a commander card um, because it's uh, it's basically a, a Ristic study on a creature, and Ristic study is a huge commander staple. Totally, yeah. Um, I basically it is a human soldier, so it could it could it find a spot in humans. Yeah, that's true. It could find a spot in humans. Um, it's it's a taxing effect. My problem with it is it's still a, a one mana one one. Um, sure. You know, it's it's still just super fragile. Um, you know, I could slot into humans, and I think it's a it's a an effect that decks would like to have. It's just it's one of those effects where it's like, yeah, that's nice to have, but I don't know how many resources I actually want to commit to mm-hmm. it, and not by like mana resources, I mean like card and cards in hand resources. Um, because against some decks, this doesn't really do much and other decks are going to easily be able to just pay for the taxing effect. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I could, I could see like specifically humans picking this up, especially combined with things like Thalia and other taxing offense, uh, effects. Um, people were saying death and taxes, but I just think the death and taxes list is so tight these days. It's just, yeah, this is. It's not going to make the cut in death and taxes. I, I completely agree there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's interesting. We'll see if it pops up anywhere. Yeah. Uh, up next, we have Sanctifier and Vec, which is white, white for a 2 2. Protection from black and red. When Sanctifier and Vec enters the battlefield, exile all cards that are black or red from all graveyards. If a black or red permanent spell, uh, permanent spell or card, not on the battlefield would be put into a graveyard exile it instead yeah this is some good graveyard hate and wait here is it seems like it is uh, it, it's tutorable right just black and red though is uh it seems kind of yeah, narrow grizzlebrand's black right yeah but emercool's not that's very true i mean i know emercool gets the the shuffle effects and whatnot but i don't know i just 
I feel like just being black and red is is too specific for legacy that we have too many other good graveyard hate cards that this be you know this being so narrow isn't going to upseat you know like rest in peace or something like that like the fact that rest in peace doesn't really see play anymore tells me that i don't have high hopes for this card because also Mm -hmm. just two mana from graveyard hate against most of the graveyard based combo decks is too late okay like we don't see much rest in peace anymore just because it's too too late you're usually dead by the time you can play it you know Mm -hmm. you need faster graveyard hate you know such as leyline of the void or surgical extraction or graph digger's cage okay um so yeah i i think it's fine i'm just not the biggest fan of it because i honestly think it's sad to say but two mana is too expensive for graveyard hate Mm. legacy these days especially Mm. narrow graveyard hate like this sure um but yeah i mean maybe like like you said pat having the type line human is super powerful so you know maybe some decks will take advantage of it for that and also the Mm. fact that it's tutorable by uh recruiters right what's with this card solitude i like solitude i think solitude is actually one of the underrated cards of this set it, mm. it's it's getting kind of poo-pooed on by by a few people in the community but i actually think solitude is is pretty cool dude if you know what i mean it's uh <laughs> three white white for a three two flash lifelink when solitude enters the battlefield exile up to one other target creature that creature's control gains life equal to its power and then it has evoke exile a white card from your hand it's forced to plowshares pat it's forced to plowshares (laughs) i don't like that joke um i think this card sucks it's a life gain card life gain cards to me aren't worth oh all right separate yourself from the burn blue red delver player no i'm I'm like would you play healing salve jerry no but it it's wait why are you you're not you're not getting the life your opponent's getting the life oh it's a swords to plowshares on a creature oh oh i'm sorry i misread that i thought it was exile a creature from your hand okay Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's hmm. it's yeah. No, this isn't a healing salve. Oh, it's okay. This is different. Oh, I, I I'm I am I completely misread the card. Um, hmm. Okay, I'll, let me process this. You you talk. <laughs> All right. So, um, Joe points out a really powerful thing uh, about this card in his article is this is a swords to plowshares that can target Emrakul. So the big thing with uh, Emrakul is it has protection from spells but that does not have protection from abilities. Hmm. Um, so this is able to exile Emrakul, uh, which is, you know, a, a big notch in its favor. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I just feel like this is going to replace the path to exile as Swords to Plowshares 5 through 8 in the various decks that are still running path to exile. You think they would run up to four of these a deck would? Yeah, and especially I think uh, it would be good against uh, it specifically in death and taxes, and possibly even replacing some number of actual swords to plowshares in death and taxes, because uh, because it's an evoke trigger, uh, it doesn't get taxed uh, by Thalia, whereas swords to plowshares does. Hmm. So, question: um, the evoke. Uh, uh, uh bins at the end of turn correct uh yes it it bins at end of turn if if you evoke it rather than casting it out right is this better than path to exile though because you are yes i mean uh, for sure in the in the ember cool sense yes it is but 
you are also paying two cards to to exit to, to exile a creature that is a real cost yeah early on but also keep in mind that you can just play this outright late game for five mana though yeah as a two for one and then also even if you do this early mm -hmm. you can evoke the solitude and then aether vial in flicker wisp target the solitude Solitude exiles itself, comes back into play, exiles another of your opponent's creatures, and then gets to stay in play after it's been Flicker Wisped. Mm -hmm. So with Flicker Wisp effects, this is gets very, very powerful. And that's why I think Death and Taxes might run in the future, like three Swords to Plowshares, one Solitude. Because mm -hmm. you can use the Solitude uh, to get tutored up by Recruiter of the Guard. And then it just has a lot of play with Flicker Wisp to gain back that value. Uh, or if you just play it late game, it's just pure value in its own right. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not super sold on the, on the you know, exile a card to evoke this. It seems a very high cost, especially in a format like, like, like Legacy, where being down a card can mean the difference between winning a game and losing a game. But I'm willing to be proven wrong on that, for sure. Yeah, well, maybe this will sell it for you, Pat. It also has flash and lifelink. Mm -hmm. So what you can do is you're like, you could just have no creatures on board and your opponent swings at you uh, with like, um, I don't know, like two, like two, let's just say two young pyromancers or whatever. Mm -hmm. You uh, flash in solitude, uh, exile one of the attacking creatures and then chump block another one of the attacking creatures. Right, right. Now you no, just I get that. Yeah. Now you just got a two for two. Yeah. I just think But you did uh hmm. Okay. That's it's interesting. But that's still it's still a two for two, though. It's like, yeah, it took you yeah, two yeah, no, cards, but you're getting two cards in return. Yeah, I get it. And then it's it, it's just even more gravy if you start flicker wisping it. Mm -hmm. I just I just think this has a lot of play, and I think we'll at least see one copy of it one copy of it in, in death and taxes uh, either replacing source to plowshares or if any decks are still running path to exile, definitely replacing path to exile. Okay. So that's, that's my take on it. I think, I think solitude is the underrated card of this set. Interesting. I don't feel strongly enough to give you a, a strong pushback on that, but I'm just going to be um, healthily skeptical on the card. <laughs> healthily skeptical. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about our next one? Dress, yeah, dress, dress down, dress down. One in the blue for an enchantment it has flash. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. So that's a nice effect to have on a legacy card. Creatures lose all abilities at the beginning of the end step. Sacrifice, dress down. Excellent. I, I don't love I don't, this card. I don't think it's really? going to be. I don't think it's going to see a ton of play. But okay. this is the type of card that really gets my. Uh, my Johnny combo deck uh, mind spinning. Um, this card combos with Phyrexian Dreadnought, which I love. <laughs> um, and it also just allows you to do a lot of really fun effects similar to like how humility works. Hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a flash enchantment, so you can play it in response to stuff. So like you can also just use it as like a very cheesy effect to, you know, cheese an opponent's Snapcaster Mage. You know, mm -hmm. they cast Snapcaster Mage, so you flash in, dress down. Now their Snapcaster Mage is just an ambush uh, viper. <laughs> yeah, that seems very corner casey. 
and it replaces itself, Pat, when it That's true. enters it the battlefield, you draw yep. a card. And playing Phyrexian Dreadnought and Torpor Orb over the years have really made me just respect the line of text uh, that creatures lose all, all abilities. Because that mm-hmm. comes into play way more often than you'd expect. You know, you can shut off uh, Stoneforge Mystics. You can shut off uh, Snapcaster Mages. Yeah, poor Ragavan just bows down to this card. <laughs> you can shut down Ragavan. So that's your answer, guys. If This if, is your Ragavan tech. If, if we're Eternal wrong. Eternal Turtles, just remember, yeah. buy up on your dress downs. Buy up your dress downs to deal with the Ragavan threat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think this card's like groundbreaking or anything like that. It's not going to see a ton of play. I just think this card's very, very cool, and it's a card that excites me as a deck builder. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anything, it just makes Phyrexian Dreadnought just that little bit more playable. Anything for Phyrexian Dreadnought, right, Jerry? The biggest problem with Phyrexian Dreadnought is that Phyrexian Dreadnought... Oh, my God. Dreadnought, Are we devolving into a Dreadnought cast? The biggest problem with Phyrexian Dreadnought is that Phyrexian Dreadnought itself is not good enough as a creature anymore. Like... <laughs> Wizards needs to print a better Phyrexian Dreadnought that has like that same that same effect, but instead of it being like a 12-12 trampler, it needs to be like a 2020 indestructible hexproof creature. Like, yeah, wizards. That this is my invitational card. You ready, wizards? All right. It's uh it's 200 mana for now. Wait, let me let me take that back. It's uh it's two mana, two mana for a 2020 uh indestructible hex proof when it comes into play you lose 20 life that's that's my invitational card wizards print it <laughs> ship it <laughs> oh man ship okay it. well all right anything for phyrexian dreadnought anything yeah i i simp for phyrexian dreadnought <laughs> that is true jerry definitely buys the phyrexian dreadnought dreadnought bathwater for sure uh, I, I subscribe to the phyrexian dreadnought only fans <laughs> It's actually illegal in most countries. There's really messed up stuff on that. Not only fans. Uh, all right. Well, here's a nice segue. Let's get into some subtlety here. Uh, <laughs> this this is my vote for second most overhyped card of this set. This card is not good, and people are freaking out over it. Looks like it's pre-ordering for a nice, easy eighty dollars. Yeah. It's, uh, here's your here's your hint, guys. If if a card is pre-ordering for almost a hundred dollars, it is overhyped. It is way overhyped and not worth it. I don't even think this is going to see play at all, Pat. Well, let's before we before we get into that, let's read it for our, for our you know our listeners. They might not know what the card does, Jerry. True, and let they could think it's the next Phyrexian Dreadnought. They have no idea. <laughs> they do have no idea. That's true. It's it's two blue blue for an elemental incarnation, and it has flash, which is something Jerry likes. It has flying, which is something that I like. <laughs> uh, and when it enters the battlefield choose up to one target creature spell, spell or planeswalker spell spell so yeah spell is incredibly important there yep uh the owner puts it on top of the on the top or bottom of their library you can also evoke this exile a blue card from your hand and it's a three uh, three and it's yeah i was getting to that i was okay. reading from top to bottom jerry sorry gosh darn it um all right yeah so this is a three three uh so it has flash which means this you know you can counter it planeswalker i'm sorry you can, it's not really quite a counter, I guess. Well, I guess it is a counter. It's a spell, memory but... lapse. It's a memory yeah, lapse. it's a memory lapse of a of a planeswalker or creature, but again, that has to be on the stack. Um, this card is okay, I guess. It seems kind of 
again, pretty corner Casey, I'd say. This card is extremely overhyped. And with this case, I actually know why it's being overhyped is people are just misreading this card. They are sure. they are not reading this card correctly. So first of all, because I've had like multiple conversations with, with both about Ragavan and about subtlety with people. And both times the conversation start with, this card is amazing. And then I point out to them, actually, it doesn't do what you think it does. It actually does right. this. And they're like, right. oh, yeah, this card isn't actually very good then. So yeah. so people are think are reading this as one target creature or planeswalker. They think it's a you know a spell that's already in play resolved that they then get to put on the top or bottom of the library. It's not. This only works as the spell is being cast. It is a creature spell or a planeswalker spell. That means mm -hmm. on the stack has not resolved yet. So the fact that it, it can't answer cards that have already resolved is a huge knock against it. And then the other knock against it, which I think really just puts this in the garbage bin, is that your opponent gets to choose top or bottom. And as we know, any giving your opponents a choice in legacy usually means your card's bad. Like, there mm -hmm. are very... I don't think there's actually any cards in legacy that give your opponent a choice that are actually playable. Like, the, the famous example back in the day was, like, Browbeat where people always try to make browbeat playable and it just never worked because the only way that card is good is you're hoping that your opponent is a worse player than you are. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever want to bank on my opponent making mistakes over myself playing correctly and, you know, making the right decisions. I just don't like giving that power to my opponent. Yes. Magic is, is a zero sum game when it comes to fun. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So the fact that your opponent gets to choose to either put it on the top and just recast it again next turn, or if they don't want to do that, putting it on the bottom and seeing if they can get lucky with the top of their deck. Like, I just, I don't like that your opponent having the choice there. And I just don't mm -hmm. think this card's very good as a result. This card is best when it's like the penul penultimate turn, correct? Like when, yeah. Well, also, it's just like we already have four force of will and four mm -hmm. force of negation, and most decks aren't even running the full force of negation. Do we really need another free counterspell when it's not even really a counterspell? It's a it's a really subpar counterspell. I just don't right. think we do. Yeah, only for creatures and planeswalkers. I completely agree. Yeah, it's yeah. only for creatures and planeswalkers, and it's an imperfect answer for them at that. Yeah, agreed. Not a huge fan of subtlety. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the like motto of this podcast, <laughs> not fan of subtlety. <laughs> I am a fan of this next card though. Uh, this card seems right up your alley, Jerry. I love this. So it's suspend one blue for an instant exile target creature and put two time counters on it. If it doesn't have suspend, it gains suspend. Can, can I ask you a stupid question? Yes. Okay, so when you cast this card, you only have to exile the creature when it resolves? Yeah, so exile target okay. creature. So yeah, I mean, well, if it doesn't, you mean if you counter suspend? Correct. Yeah, if you counter suspend. So let's say, let's say I'm playing Sneak and Show, yep. and I want to suspend my Grizzlebrand. I cast this card first, and then once it resolves, then I am able to suspend my Grizzlebrand, correct? Yes, and you could actually do that to save a Grizzlebrand from a sneak attack trigger. So, like, you sneak attack in Grizzlebrand, mm -hmm. get in for damage, 
and then suspend the Grizzlebrands, that Grizzlebrand comes back two turns later and it doesn't have the sack effect from Sneak Attack. Right. I'm not advocating playing this in Sneak and Show. No, this is, this no, no, is no, definitely no. not a Sneak and Show card. But yeah, no. if, if that were to happen, that, that would be the end effect. Yeah, interesting. Um, Joe is actually going so far in his article here. He's calling it akin to a blue swords to plowshares. That's pretty high praise for suspend, I would have to say. Well, this is kind of, so can I say what I like about this card? Yeah, I think it. this is neat. So I kind of like this card in something like Blue Red Delver. It's like a pretty cool tempo play um, when, you, when you don't need to buy yourself a lot of turns. Um, and you can't always, you know, you don't always want to vapor snag something, uh, especially if the card has a pesky, some kind of pesky ability, you know, that you don't want to have affecting the board. It's, it's pretty neat. I kind of like this. Yeah, I, I like it too. And I, I think you're right. I think this is just a better Vapor Snag. I know people have pointed out that that point of damage on Vapor Snag is relevant. And sure, there's corner cases where that one point of damage is the difference between winning the game or not. But I really like this because Vapor Snag answers a creature for one turn. Mm -hmm. This answers a creature for two turns. And that two-turn tempo swing for a deck like Blue Red Delver can be the difference between winning and losing the game. So what happens if you exile a token? Then it's just gone permanently. So this is good to deal with Merit Lage as well. Yeah, that's actually just straight up answers Merit Lage. Yeah. Uh, also mm -hmm. like Batterskull tokens. Um, and that's just playing this deck for fair, uh, the fair way. You can get real cheeky with this card by comboing it with some other stuff. <laughs> well, my other question is if you, let's say you target Batterskull with this and it does, it exiles the equipment as well. No, it exiles the germ token and you are it left. It doesn't with exile an, any equipment. Okay. Yeah. You're left with an inanimate uh, Batterskull. Gotcha. Okay. But, um, you know, you can play this with uh, things like uh, Teferi. Uh, or you know any any spell that you know forces your opponent to only cast spell uh, spells as sorceries. Mm -hmm. So suspend gets played uh, during upkeep as an instant. So with a Teferi in play, they actually can't recast the creature. Oh, interesting. And so it just stays exiled forever. So huh. suspend plus Teferi tricky. is actually straight up a blue swords to plowshares that doesn't gain them life. Interesting. Um, and then also Joe points out what's really funny is you combo it with standstill. So you like suspend a creature and, oh, then, geez, and, then, standstill. and then cast We're standstill. We're getting all the Jeremy pet decks and then cast standstill, standstill for Exceed Dreadnought. And then they're forced for the creature to come back into play. So it forces them to break your standstill and lets you draw three cards. So it's exile a creature oh, for two sweet. turns and draw three cards. So that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I really like Suspend. I think uh, it's going to see play in a lot of uh, blue decks that don't necessarily have uh, access to the premium removal of Swords to Plowshares uh, or even like Lightning Bolt. Um, so either like the mono blue decks, the, bl uh, the blue black decks, the bug decks. Um, you know, I think Suspend is actually some pretty premium uh, at least tempo removal that we're going to see in the format. And I think if you mm -hmm. combo it with some cheeky other stuff, you can have some real fun with it. Nice. Yep. Also, you know, Joe points out as well in his article, it combos with uh, Valky. It's another way to uh, cheat Valky into play. Oh, I forgot about that card. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, we got another blue card. Uh, and this just kicks off all the merfolk 
in this uh for this uh set i honestly think mm-hmm. merfolk is going to make a comeback pat after modern horizons uh, 2 comes out i don't think so maybe in modern oh not legacy. boy there are so many good merfolks spoiled so it doesn't matter so there's this it's one bad deck. <laughs> oh my god but that's a point pat it's going to be a good deck it's going to be a good deck after modern horizons 2 comes out so Sevlin of sea and sky let me finish the card <laughs> one blue blue for a three four uh Sevelin of the sea and sky is indestructible as long as you control at least two other merfolk whenever it attacks so that's actually relevant not when it deals damage just when it attacks pat mm-hmm. draw a card and then other merfolk you control have ward one which is whenever another merfolk you control becomes the target of a spell ability an opponent controls counter it unless that player pays one Okay, I mean, this still. I mean, it's worth noting that Source to Plowshow still still exiles this creature, right? You're, you're so giving me path to exile. You're giving me a dies to Doomblade, Pat. Except it doesn't even work because this doesn't die to Doomblade. It's no, it doesn't die to Doomblade. <laughs> I'm just saying it does. It, I mean, it's it's cool. It is three mana. It it automatically dazes all of your opponents. Uh, that is removable. that is very nice. It draws yep. cards, and For every time it attacks, absolutely. Yep, and that's nine cool. times out of ten. It's indestructible. I think, and even if it's not nine indestructible, t- you can't just say nine times out of ten without actually doing the it's math. It's an actual Gerald. stat. Actual stat. That's, that is <laughs> in nine out of ten games. At, best. at nine out of ten games that have ever been played with this card being released, <laughs> <laughs> it was indestructible. And also, okay. even if it's not indestructible, it's a three-four. So it's got a big old fat butt and dodges a uh, lightning. It's also bolts. indestructible only if you have two other Merfolk in play, right? Yeah, so. but you're playing a Merfolk de- deck, Pat. You're gonna have Merfolk. I mean, you say that, but Murpho decks are pretty horrible to begin with, so it's not a guaranteed uh, Then you also have the other Murfolk that was spoiled today, the uh, one-mana Murfolk that has a kicker of one. Oh, yeah, that really bad one. Yep. Uh, that's a 2-2 two, two if your opponent has an yeah. island, and when it comes into play, if the kicker cost was cast, it turn it uh spreading seas a land you know tide shaper yeah that that land becomes an island so your opponent's dark depths nope now it's just an island uh your opponent's caracas nope that's just an island your opponent's rashad in port nope that's just an island now so and then there's also the rashad in port merfolk that came out that i don't think we talked about last week there's just there are three or four legacy playable merfolk in modern horizons 2 that deck is going to get a huge shakeup, and i would not be surprised if we start seeing a lot more merfolk decks start to top 16 or even top eight uh after modern horizons 2 comes out it's very cool that there's legacy playable merfolk unfortunately merfolk is not legacy playable itself so uh, that's a bit rough but i think it has a, a good chance in modern to uh we're moving on to of your local fnm so look be on the lookout for that hot new tech coming out of merfolk i can't wait to make you eat crow when like merfolk wins the first event after modern horizon 2 comes out can't eat crow if you don't pay attention to the format uh <laughs> moving on to archon of cruelty uh i haven't really taken a look at this one yet neither have i so let's do it together six black black for a creature archon it has flying which we like uh it's whenever archon of cruelty enters the battlefield or attacks target opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker discards a card and loses three life you draw a card and gain three life it's a six six and this seems like it was made for pox 
Uh, I think it was made for Nick Fit more than Pox. Eight mana is way too much for Pox. Like Pox never gets I up know. to that much mana. I know. I was just trying to entice our more <laughs> trolly uh, segment of the LAL Facebook page. Uh, yeah, I guess this goes in Nick Fit. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, or it's enters like... the battlefield or attacks. Again, it's not deals damage. It is attacks. I mean, it's a it's a reanimator target in the same way that every big giant creature is a reanimator target. Sure. Yeah. I don't see it. I mean, it has a lot of text and it has a lot of text. To sack about- a creature or a planeswalker and discard a card and lose three life. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. And it replaces itself and you gain it three life. But it's, yeah. yeah, at the end of the day. And that's what, when it enters the battlefield or attacks, that's pretty impressive. I mean, at the end I would of, say that at the end the of the ability on that is pretty cool. I don't know if it's worth playing, but it's pretty cool. It's a cool, yeah, it's a cool ability. But at the end of the day, it's still an eight mana creature. It is. Eight- There's a lot of sixes on the card, though. I can get behind that. Eight mana gets you a lot. It does. And I think eight mana gets you a grizzle brand. Yeah, I think it gets you I think eight mana gets you more than this card is offering. If it was if it was six black black delve, would you play this card? If this was six black black delve, yes. Yeah. Oh, you mean if it was like a you mean if it was a tomb stalker on crack? Yeah, I would uh, <laughs> I would play this. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, speaking of, I do want to segue. We actually did get a Tomb Stalker on crack in this set. Uh, it's not in Joe's article because it was actually just spoiled, but I feel that's a good segue to talk about uh, Merktide Regent. So Merktide Regent is five blue blue uh, with Delve and Flying, as Pat pointed out, for a 3-3. Three, three. And it has... Merktide region enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it for each instant and sorcery card exiled with it. And then whenever an instant or sorcery card is exiled from your graveyard, put another plus one plus one counter on it. This is pretty interesting. And I think it replaces the, uh, the whale that we've been seeing get ethereal forager. Yeah. I think this replaces ethereal forager. Mm. This thing is going to be, let me think this thing's going to be big. Um, let me think (laughs) seven mana. Hmm. Hmm. No. So it could be as big as a an eight. as a an eight eight for the first one you cast. Each one you cast beyond the first makes them bigger and bigger because each no. each one sees the instance and sorceries. The next one exiles and adds that to its size. Exiled with it. Yeah, and then read the second line. The second line, whenever an instant or sorcery card is exiled, leaves is exiled from your graveyard, put a plus one plus one counter on it as well. So, so the first one gets bigger, but the second one does not get bigger. Yeah, the second one get, doesn't get bigger. But basically every time you exile how many how about how many times you're gonna be delving? You're gonna be delve away. T- uh no, nah, I don't I don't buy that. This is this is I don't this if you're saying like this card gets really busto because you cast a second I'm copy not, of a seven I'm, mana card. I'm not saying it gets busted because you cast a second one. I'm just saying each one you cast beyond the first it builds. It, yeah, it snowballs. Okay. Like I um, I think just one alone of these isn't is enough. Like the whale. You would have to have a lot of. Well, I guess it's not just. I mean, you're. I'm not sold on it. Forger. Yeah, I'm not sold on it, but it's possible. I Actually, honestly, I could see a deck seeing play uh, that runs uh, both Forager uh, and Regent and then self mills. Okay. So you just, you like, you know, traumatize yourself, put half your library into your graveyard, and then just start chaining Ethereal Foragers would- and Merktide Regents together to just make monsters. <laughs> 
you would need a better ability on this card, something that drew cards itself. Oh, you mean like more what, than just pumping it up? You mean like what Ethereal Forager has? Yes, but that's what I'm saying. Like Ethereal Forager is powerful because of that ability. This is like Ethereal Forager without those teeth, without that versatility. I no, it has I the teeth. It, it's Ethereal Forager with teeth. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I just um, yeah. I mean, uh, listen, it's blue. I like blue flyers. I like blue delve cards. So <laughs> we'll give it a shot. I'm just not totally sold on it. All I'm saying, this is a Tomb Stalker on crack. You asked for your Tomb Stalker on crack, and and Watsy gave it to you. It's too goofy of a dragon to be a Tomb Stalker on crack, though. It's too goofy. Okay, I'm Do gonna you see his face. He's I, got a goofy ass. Face. I want to see your face when you get cracked in the face with an eight eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's never gonna happen because it's just gonna get days and they'll be like, oh boo. We'll see. We'll see. I... Uh how about bone shards? Yeah, so bone shards, it's black for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast the spell, sacrifice a creature, or discard a card. That's a nice mm. add-on. Usually it's just sacrifice a creature with this type of uh effect. So mm. being able to discard is nice. And then it's destroy target creature or planeswalker. I like the planes. I like the planeswalker thing. I don't think it's the planeswalker is what makes it. If this was That's just a, yeah. if this was just destroy a creature, not good not enough. Not worth it. Yeah, but it's interesting. I think this is the cheapest removal we've ever seen that deals with planeswalkers. Uh, black and discard a card or sack a creature. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because we had dreadbore right, which is black red. Yep. And also in a lot of decks, that discard a card is actually an advantage. Of course. Yeah. You know, if you're talking reanimator, uh, hogak. Uh, dredge like that mm. that is super relevant so yeah but they're never i mean how often is reanimator or dredge or hogak worried about a planeswalker not very often but... well they could be worried about creatures you know like sanctum prelates or of course um, yep yep that's fair uh, containment priests and things like that like well they could just run doomblade then right no but the nah. thing is, is it's a one mana like a lot of these decks, oh that's fair the, okay. like the fact that this is only a single mana is actually huge because those are the decks that usually have very very low land counts like 14 lands or, or you know sometimes even less so mm-hmm. i definitely think bone shards is is going to enter the toolbox of graveyard based uh combo decks as a way to you know answer problematic cards and also being a discard outlet a very efficient discord discard outlet at that so yeah i i really like bone shards i think i think if i was uh looking for a safe bet if i can only choose like a single card to actually see long-standing legacy play i think bone shards is going to be it because it's just that you know utility card that fills it fills a need and you know immediately slots into existing decks so yeah I, i like it uh another utility card up next sudden edict we just basically got an upgrade to diabolic edict they added split second to Diabolic Edict. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it just makes you sack creature. Uncounterable, essentially. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to take that back. This is the card that's guaranteed to see play since it's already, it's just a strict upgrade of an already existing legacy card. <laughs> yeah, but do we see that much Diabolic Edict in Legacy? Uh, whatever lands gets out of control, we do. And okay. This is a strict. When was that last time that happened? 2017? Uh, no, try like last year. Like, oh, okay. So the reason why it's a strict upgrade is because uh, a, a big answer to Diabolic Edict that a lot of uh, lands players will do is they'll fetch up a uh, Dryad Arbor in order to sack the Dryad Arbor to the Diabolic Edict effect. Uh, okay. Because this is split second, they can no longer do that. Um, they can also no longer crop rotate for a Dryad Arbor. So 
this is just uh when you absolutely need to get that marilage dead this is the card for you uh next up we have jerry's version of a lizard blazing root walla <laughs> uh it's a single red and it gets plus it has the root walla ability of get plus two plus zero till end of turn you can only activate it once each turn does have a madness cost of zero that's the big thing it's 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 basking root walla just in red right um i super into yeah, yeah, I I think this could uh, end up actually spawning a new deck. I could see eight Walla being a deck, running four Blazing Root Walla, four uh, Basking Root Walla, and then combining it with like Hollow Ones and Venge Vines, and you just end up pumping out twenty damage on turn one. Okay, a little glass cannon kind of deck there. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's a it would be kind of like a new style deck. Uh, it would definitely be able to be fall like fall apart real really easily, uh, <laughs> but you know you can get these god hands of like tw uh, twenty damage haste on turn one and just okay. like steamroll your opponent. Nice. Uh, also, that deck would probably be like you know ten dollars to put together. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably the most expensive thing would probably be like the Venge Vines, however much they yeah. those go for these days. Um, so yeah, I, I I think Blazing Root Walla can actually end up spawning a new deck with uh basking root walla make mm. eight walla call it call it walla walla island yeah it's walla walla bing bang something like that we can go we can workshop that a little bit we'll workshop it uh bray's apprentice anything to say about this card i don't know why it's on the list i think this card's garbage but uh, he, joe thinks it's he, super neat that's why it's on call the list. yeah we can quote us in saying this card is super neat um okay yeah it's it's two and a red for a two three human artificer enters the battlefield create a one one colorless thopter with flying yeah, it has a sack second artifact ability. You can exile the top of the card of your library until the end of turn. Until uh, sorry, until the end of your next turn, you may play that card or target creature gets plus two plus zero until the end of turn. Um, I don't know. Maybe yeah, he's comparing it to like it. P and Kieran Nalar, which does see some legacy play. So I guess you know there's there's that, but uh, mm -hmm. I don't see it. I don't think it's very good. Yeah. It's more of a cute uh, Dragon's Rage Channeler is a this was like red for a one one. This was like hot shit for all of one day, and then everyone moved on to the next spoilers. But people were calling <laughs> this like the new Delver of Secrets. Oh geez, everyone's trying to uh, everyone's trying to unseat the king. You know, they're trying to take his crown. Yep, they don't know. They don't. They don't know, Jerry. They just don't know. But it's a uh, one red for a one one. Whenever you cast non-creature spells, surveil one. That is actually a powerful ability. I will give it that. You're basically getting one mana for a better scry effect. Basically every turn, because with the way legacy decks function, you're going to basically trigger that, you know, every single turn. Sure. Um, and surveil is more powerful than scry because it allows you to actually put it into your graveyard rather than the bottom mm -hmm. of your library. Mm -hmm. So it's actually right, which helps, which helps its second ability, which is delirium. As long Correct. as there are four more card types among cards in your graveyard, Dragon's Rage Channeler gets plus two plus two, has flying, and attacks each combat if if able. Right. So it's a three three flyer. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. So first of all, I think people don't realize not like delirium's not a super popular ability. Not many people have actually played with it unless you played like standard when it came out. But delirium is actually really hard to get. Like oh. even in legacy. So you so you have instant sorcery lands. Those are the easy ones to get into your graveyard. Of course, you can yeah. get those in the first couple turns. Mm -hmm. Getting a creature artifact or planeswalker in your graveyard in the first couple turns is actually really I don't want to say really difficult, but it's more difficult than people give it credit for. 
Okay. So you're either, you know, losing a creature or specifically chump blocking. Like, are you really going to chump block with a Delver of Secrets in order to turn this thing on? Probably not. Um, if you're trying to get an artifact in your graveyard, you're running things like uh, like Lotus Petal or Mishra's Bobble, which is not really, it's something like a blue red Delver or even a rug not Delver. Like, you don't want to run those cards in, in no. your, in your tempo no. list. So God, no. like artifact is, is kind of out of the question. And then getting a planeswalker in your graveyard in the first couple turns is especially difficult unless you have, you know, Discord. It's going to be a creature. Yeah. That, that's what we're. That's what it comes out. It's going to be have to be it, a creature. It's going to be a creature. So you're going to need to either discard a creature, surveil. Like maybe you get lucky and you can surveil a creature, but I just really don't like banking on that. Especially if I'd rather draw that creature and just cast it outright. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just I think it, it's going to be much more difficult to turn delirium on than people are giving it credit for, and I think that's why this card's not really going to see much play. Yeah, Joe thinks that it's going to be a big deal, and Ruler Delver. I I don't see it, but again, I'm willing to be I'm willing to be wrong, but I don't I don't think it's that great of a card. So Joe is saying that this card has probably the most chance ever out of the entire set to end up seeing play on Legacy. I'm going to, I want to call you on that Joe specifically because sudden edict is a strict upgrade of an already legacy playable card. I think sudden yeah. edict. And if we're not going to count sudden edict, I, bone shards is my call, but Joe, is, okay. Joe is calling dragon's rage channeler. I, I don't think, I think people are going to play with dragon's rage channeler and realize it's not as good as they thought. Yeah. I don't like it. I'm not a fan. Should we move on? Yeah, agreed. Harmonic Prodigy, another card, not a fan of it. This card just screams win more to me. Yeah, it's it's one in a, uh, I don't even want to read, but it's one in a red for a human wizard. It has prowess, which you know I dig that. It's one three, which is cool. And it says that if the ability of a shaman or another wizard you control triggers, that ability triggers an additional time. So cool with what young pyromancer and or is pyromancer even a wizard? Or I think it's a wizard. It's a human on. human shaman, I think. So that's a shaman. I believe I believe Power Master is a human shaman. It is. You are correct, Pat. It is a yeah. human shaman. So yeah, so you get, it's cool. You get extra tokens for that. You get extra yeah, triggers off your... But the, but the thing is... You is, get extra triggers off your um, Snapcaster Mages, which is neat, I guess. Um, yeah, but my... Is that it, though? Yeah, like... My, yeah, my thing with it, though, is like I'd rather just cast another Young Pyromancer or another... Uh, Snapcaster, yeah, <laughs> like that's yeah, one in a red for a one three is kind of sucky. Yeah, people people don't take into account the fact that legacy decks are just so tight. You know, we only have sixty slots to play with cards. Yeah, and in order to play this card, you need to cut something else, and this card is only relevant if you already have another card like Young Pyromancer or Snapcaster Mage. Mm-hmm. So it's just like why play this why not just play more young pyromancers or more snapcaster mages yep yep so this this card just kind of screams win more to me yeah agreed a one three no yeah not a fan don't like it uh obsidian charmaw uh three red red costs one less to cast for each land your opponent controls that could produce a colorless mana it has flying it's a four four when it ETBs destroy target non-basic land and important controls. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I know modern players are going crazy about this because this is a huge answer to Tron. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can basically cast it for two red for a four four flying that wastelands an opponent when it comes into play. Like that's its that's pretty cool. That's its ceiling, and I mean I gotta say that's a pretty damn good ceiling. Yeah. Um, even in Legacy, there are tons of lands that produce colorless. Uh, you know, ancient tombs and city of traders and uh, uh, I'm blanking on it. The Fesbian stage, uh, all the wasteland, yeah, wasteland, cloud post. Like, I think I don't know. I don't think this card's going to see play in like Delver lists or anything like that. But no, I think this is a huge upgrade for like mono red prison. I see mono red prison playing this deck. Uh, dragon Stompy finally can actually have a dragon to keep its namesake of uh, Dragon well, it's, Stompy. Well, it's land your opponent's control, though. So it, yeah. that's the thing. That's why I'm saying it goes into like uh, the Mono Red Prison deck is because something they can pump it out the pump out the mana for it. Yeah, like these those yeah. those decks can just even if they're casting this for five, it's still a four four flying wasteland for five. Okay. Like, okay. Even if you're not getting a discount on it, I still think it's good enough for those types of decks. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um. Uh, yeah. Next up is Ragavan. We've already made our our peace with that card. The card is hot garbage. <laughs> um, we got the storm cards next, Pat. Watsy probably uh, they wouldn't print any more storm cards that could win the game, and then they lied to us. They just lied to our face, uh, Pat. <laughs> shocker, shocker. Um, a progenitor progenitor ooze two green green green. Uh, it's a legendary creature ooze. It has storm. Uh, it's isn't legendary if it's a token. Enters the battlefield with plus one plus one counter on it for each other ooze you control. Basically, it's just five mana for make like an army of like million millions. <laughs> right, right. Uh, people are saying this being a uh, alternate win condition for elves because elves can instead of like natural ordering for uh, Craterhoof Behemoth, they can just cast a bunch of elves, get like Storm Ten worth of elves off of a glimpse of nature and then just Mm -hmm. playing this and making an an army of oozes. I love if elves starts becoming a storm deck instead of a progenitor or of a progenitus deck or whatever, what a creator hope deck is pretty cool. Yeah. It's worth noting they don't have trample. So that's something, but you have so many of them. It probably doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. That too. Also, they don't have haste. So you are susceptible to something like wrath of God. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. But uh, the storm card I'm more excited for, uh, is what is colloquially being referred to as a nut shot. <laughs> <laughs> the green grape shot, chatter storm, one in a, a green. Yeah. One in a green, create a one one green squirrel creature token storm. Is this the same as um, what's the one that creates the goblins again? Uh, what's that? Card? Uh, empty the Warrens. So empty the, empty warrens, the warrens makes two tokens for four. <gasps> okay. My mistake. So right. it's not a it's not a strict upgrade of over empty the warrens because empty the warrens okay. does make two, but this is still a very powerful card. Yeah. Um, I think we might start seeing like a, a green variant of storm also because of a card we're about to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, this card's interesting. I don't know what it's gonna do. You know, it might end up not doing anything. Storm players might not actually like this, but I just think that the fact that storm has a win condition in green now is not something that we should take lightly. Okay. 
So that's all I'm going to say. I just, I love this card. It's probably one of my favorite flavor cards. I'm a huge squirrel fan <laughs> for anyone who uh, doesn't know. I love that they make their, there's like a squirrel sub scene, uh, sub theme in the set. Oh, there's a ton of squirrels in this set. So many squirrels. There's a squirrel Lord. I, when we, when this comes out of magic online, I'm probably just going to draft infinite modern horizons two, And I'm going to force squirrels every time i'm going to take every uh, chatter storm that i can and every elf lord that i can and i'm just going to squirrel on people <laughs> that's amazing uh so yeah i love that, that this card exists don't know if it's going to actually end up see any play or make a new storm deck or anything but it's cool that we have that option nice uh we got the green uh elemental free spell endurance uh and i think this one actually is probably the best of the elementals that we've seen so far pad i actually think this one's useful Okay. So it's one green green for a three, four flash reach uh, evoke exile a green card from your hand. And its ability is when it enters the battlefield up to one target player puts all cards from their graveyard on the bottom of their library in a random order. So instant speed, free graveyard hate, like we were talking about earlier, that's where you want to be in legacy. You need, you need in green. Yeah. You need to turn zero your graveyard hate if you want to keep up in legacy. And that's exactly what this does. And even more interesting than that is instead of exiling the cards like most Graveyard Hate does, this puts it on the bottom of the library, which most people at first glance would think is a disadvantage. But that's actually an advantage uh, with this card, not only because you can target yourself in order to prevent yourself from being decked against like a mill deck or something like that, but more importantly against Doomsday you can use this to ruin the Thassa's Oracle player's <laughs> day. You know, they do Thassa's Oracle, trigger on the stack, and then you just endurance them. And now mm -hmm. they all of a sudden have their, their library back and they don't get to win the game with Thassa's Oracle. <laughs> uh, so yeah, really, really big fan of uh, endurance. I think endurance is uh, going to start seeing play in a lot of sideboards for any deck that can, you know, reasonably get, uh, cast it. You know, that's exactly what you want out of your, your uh, graveyard hate and legacy now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. up next path the hits keep on coming oh my gosh yeah gaia's will it's it's yagmoth's will but in green yagmoth's will a banned card in legacy seeing play as gaia's will uh no mana cost so you can't actually cast it from hands fairly but it has suspend for a green and it has four time counters and then when it resolves you you yagmoth's will you know you can play lands and spells from your graveyard okay uh i think as foretold might start to see become a real deck pad oh she <laughs> like as foretold has always been kind of like uh like an f tier joke deck in legacy uh i've played around it with it myself uh comboing it with like stasis and other you know cheesy ways to gain advantage off of it Mm -hmm. But with all of these uh, free spend cards that are coming out, as foretold, might actually be able to be a uh, you know some, somewhat reasonable deck. Um, we won't really talk about it today, but did you see they printed a uh, Soul Ring uh, suspend card? Uh, I did not see that. Oh boy! Yeah, so it's basically it's Soul Ring. Uh, it's no casting cost, but it's it's suspend for one colorless, and then it has two time counters on it, and then it's just a Soul Ring. Okay. So. As foretold, for people who don't know, as foretold, each turn you get to put a time counter on it, and each turn you get to play a card for free that's converted mana cost is uh, less than or equal to the number of time counters on it. Mm -hmm. And then because these cards have no casting cost, they count as zero, so you get to cast them for free off of as foretold. So mm -hmm. between this card, 
and the soul ring card that have been spoiled as well as a couple of the other free suspend cards that we've seen um there's definitely a lot of toys that you can play with as foretold uh with this set mm -hmm. so that's all I want to say about that. People have been debating Gaia's will up and down. I don't think it's going to be good enough for Storm just because it's too much work to play this fairly. I think if this card is going to see play, it's going to see play being abused in something like As Foretold or, you know, Shardless Agent or, mm -hmm. you know, some other way to, to cast this card for free. Um, we're going to power through because Pat's fading on me. I am. Yeah, I'm dying here. Um, Ignoble Hierarch. I love this card. Act Well, I love the concept of this card. I don't, I don't think the card's very good, but <laughs> yep, we got we got the other half of uh, noble hierarch. <laughs> right, one and a green for zero one exalted tap tab black red or green. Doesn't make blue. Let's move on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's cool that it exists. Jun players unite, but I don't think there's much to really discuss about this. It's it's a cool card, and if you're a Jun deck, you're probably gonna run this. The problem is, is you have to be a Jun deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's not it's not really a thing anymore. Yeah, Sanctum Weaver. Enchant enchantment creature dryad is this any good uh i think it's because uh enchantment uh enchantress is going to be a modern deck oh, okay um, they've printed a bunch of enchantment cards including a um basically a Stir sterling grove uh that's legal and modern so basically the the enchantress deck and legacy which has really fallen out of favor over the last five years because of you know things like abrupt decay um, Enchantress is not really playable in Legacy anymore. So Wizards just reprinted a bunch of its cards in Modern. So now Enchantress is just going to be a Modern deck. And I do think it's probably going to be good enough to see play in Modern. So I'm 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 happy that Enchantress players are happy. Okay. Uh, Timeless Witness. This is a weird... This is... Okay. This is a weird card. It's just Eternal... Are they running out of names for Eternal? Like, it's, like it's basically just an Eternal Witness with Eternal Eyes. I, that's so weird i don't think yeah. this card's very good like no it's just strange it's just another copy of eternal witness for commander decks yeah it's weird uh we got our first planeswalker of the set gradol dihada i'm gay a drone gay drone gay a drone i'm gay a drone gay a drone gay drone dihada the name Dihada. doesn't matter <laughs> oh, stupid name one blue black red for loyalty Protection from permanence with corruption counters on them. Okay, that's interesting. Plus one, uh, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Put a corruption counter on up to one other target creature, Planeswalker. Minus three, gain control of target creature, Planeswalker until on a turn. Untap and put a corruption counter on it, gains haste until on a turn. Minus seven, gain. Mm, this is not going to see play. Okay. It's a Yeah, it's a Grixis colored. It, I just don't see it. Maybe All right. maybe I'll eat crow, but I like I don't have anything to say about it. That it just doesn't do enough to warrant a spot, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, how about Grist, the Hunger Tide? This one is pretty interesting. This has actually caused a huge spike in uh, Green Sun Zenith. Green Sun Zenith has doubled in price uh, since this card was spoiled, because it's the first Planeswalker that can be Green Sun Zenith. <laughs> uh, one black green, three loyalty. As long as it isn't on the battlefield, it's a 1-1 one, one insect creature in addition to its other types. Okay. Which allows you to green sun Zenith for it. Okay. Uh, plus one, create a 1-1 one, one black and green insect creature token, then mill a card. If an insect card was milled this way, put a loyalty counter on Grist and repeat this process. Minus two, you may sacrifice a creature when you do destroy target creature or planeswalker. Minus five, each opponent loses life equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Hold on. So, <clears throat> could you make a deck that's just Grist, like Grist, 
and a bunch of insects. Yeah, it's called Commander, Pat. You can definitely do that in Commander. <laughs> but like, wouldn't you be able to just make like infinite, like make like as many insects as you have cards in your deck on turn one? Yeah, but then as soon as you hit a land, it stops the process. Right, but I'm saying no lands. But how? Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you're basically making a char belcher, but for insects. Except it's going to yeah. be worse because you have to run every insect that was probably ever printed in most of bug, the <laughs> bug belcher. Bug belcher. Yeah, so you can make bug belcher. Okay. <laughs> I don't think this card is going to see play in bug belcher though. <laughs> I think I think what this was going to see play is you can green sun zenith for it. Uh, you can reanimate it because it's a creature in the graveyard. So you can actually. Oh wow! So you can like. You, you could reanimate it with uh, what's it called, Jerry? Uh, reanimate. Fucking, no, not reanimate. What's the card we're always talking about? Unearth. Oh yeah, it's unearth. It's less than three, so you can unearth it. It's too. unearth. It's unearth. It's an unearthable planeswalker. It's an unearthable planeswalker. It's also reanimate, <laughs> animate dead. Uh, Green Sun's unearth is the best rate in those out of those three, though. Yeah, for sure. So. I, I think this is going to probably end up seeing at least some play. It's probably, it's not going to be like tier one, at least I hope not. Dear God, if we have another like uh Valky incident. <laughs> D, DJ is on, is on record as being, saying this card is busted. So yeah, I, I can see this. Like if, if there's going to be a card that could potentially cause problems in the format, I think it actually would probably be this. Yeah. Okay. Like this is probably the card I'm most nervous about seeing, you know, getting printed. Cause I like seeing three mana planeswalkers get fucking banned anyway. So it'll be <laughs> yeah, fun. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go three for three. Uh, Watsi on uh, yeah. green, green planeswalkers that cost three or less being banned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, this card kind of makes me nervous just because of how easy it is to break it between the reanimate effects, the green sense of effects. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe actually points out you can also collected company for it. So you can get this, oh, right. get this turn zero, <laughs> turn zero with collected company. That's cool. <laughs> wonderful yeah i'm i'm real nervous about this card and like its abilities are no slouch either so it's plus one makes one one token so it protects itself it's minus two removes creatures and planeswalkers and then it's its ultimate is only minus five which is not that much and that can theoretically win the game Mm -hmm. this kind of ticks all the boxes for what makes a planeswalker good and that really makes me nervous we'll see (laughs) (laughs) uh up next is calder complete which i love from a flavor standpoint uh mirrodin was like one of my first sets so i've always had a soft spot for caldra uh caldra was a cycle of uh three equipment that when you played them all together made like this unstoppable avatar that wins games that was not very it wasn't very good like a megazord yeah it was like a megazord It it was a very flavorful fun thing which is exactly what you know me being newish to magic needed in order to get me hooked into the game. So I love this from a flavor standpoint. And this card might end up seeing play if we ever need like Stoneforge Mystic Mirror Breakers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, I think we are long, long, long past the days of needing Stoneforge Mystic Mirror Breakers. <laughs> so I don't think, unfortunately, this is going to end up seeing much play. Um, but yeah, that's all I got to say about that. All right. Um, we got Artifact Dual Lands, which would be cool if they didn't enter the battlefield tapped. Yeah. We came so close, Pat. This would actually be really interesting if, if Watsi did this, if they made this cycle but didn't have them come into play tapped. Yeah, I guess. I don't know anything about Artifact Lands. Well, I mean, they were good enough to get banned in Standard when they were printed. 
Who gives a shit about standard? Well, standard stuff. You have no appreciation for history. People, no, I, people who played during that time, even just legacy players who played during that time, know the power of artifact lands. Okay. But yeah, we got artifact dual lands that are indestructible. Also, that's just another thing. It's it's more lands that are indestructible. Yeah. So I could also just see running like this plus Darksteel Citadel and a bunch of these and then just four Armageddon's main deck. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's just your deck. You're just like a like a blue like an no win condition, just destroy all lands. You're just well, you're just like an Esper control deck just running four main deck Armageddon's because awesome. your lands are indestructible. So I think I like that. I think that could be like kind of fun and cheesy. <laughs> uh and then finally last one on the list Pat Yamavaya cradle of growth we got the green urborg uh eat it's a legendary land each land is a forest in addition to its other land types okay that's pretty cool okay that's that's gonna see play in the same way that you know urborg sees play oh so one deck more than one deck pox plays i'm just i'm kidding I'm pox kidding. plays did, it. did you just bring a pox yeah, you fucking Pox plays you it. You fucking twat. Well, that's the thing is like green black pox is actually a, a pretty popular variant of pox. So now yeah. basically pox can make all of its lands bayous. Oh, that's awesome. So if you run this plus Urborg, all your lands are bayous, and that's not really anything to sneeze at. So yeah. I mean, I think Yamavaya Cradle of Growth is definitely gonna see some legacy play as well. Okay. Yeah, that seems seems fair. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so that rounds it out, Pat. Man, what a yeah, that was what a goddamn yeah, this is what short up and pack spoiler season. Yeah, it was wild. It was wild. A lot of cool cards. Uh, we'll see how many make a impact. But we both agree, Ragavan is not one. Of them. <laughs> I really hope we don't eat crow on this bat. You know, we're setting ourselves up for a lose lose scenario, right? <laughs> Jerry, those those are the only situations I'd like to find myself. Actually, in. it's not a lose lose scenario. It's just like a, if we're wrong on this, we are just utterly, absolutely fucked because. If we're wrong on this, it means that legacy is going to be busted open by some stupid monkey that ruins the format. Because <laughs> that's what it it's is. It's funny. Some people might have said he called you that when you uh, top eight at GP Niagara, but sure. <laughs> and that's why he's my invitational card. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's close it out, Pat. Let's close it out. Uh, let's get into scoops and poops. Scoops. Uh, Jerry, who are you scooping in top eight this week? Uh, I want to scoop in my awesome girlfriend because she was in Disney World with her parents and she came back and she, like, I've been slowly introducing her to Star Wars, Pat. So, like, we watched A New Hope and then right before she left, we watched Empire Strikes Back. Nice. And then we watched The Mandalorian together. So that's basically, oh. like, her entire experience with Star Wars is just the, oh, okay. those three. The good ones. Really good, really, like, I, solid. Sorry, on a high point. Sorry, yeah. on a high point. And I, I have made her a Star Wars fan, which is awesome. I'm, I'm digging it. But she doesn't really know Star Wars that well. But she still went to all of the Star Wars stuff in Disney World and like went on all the star wars rides it was like sending me videos of all the star wars rides oh that's awesome yeah even though she had no because all the rides are like the the new trilogy characters and she's like i don't know who any of these people are but this is fun and i'm just like yeah it's probably for the best you don't know who they are yeah uh but she brought me back all sorts of star wars swag so she, oh nice yeah she brought me back like a, a boba fett lego statue where it's like Bo, it's like a it's like a boba fett bust so it's like boba fett hell yeah boba fett's helmet but in lego form oh i've seen those those things are awesome yeah so she brought that back for me 
Uh, she brought back these uh, Coca-Cola bottles. So Coke, all mm-hmm. the Coca-Cola bottles in the Star Wars part of Disney World are shaped like thermal detonators. That's amazing. <laughs> so she brought me back a bunch of those. So I have all these like Coke thermal detonators around my apartment now. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw them at people as they come in the door. <laughs> That's awesome. So scoop into her for bringing me back all sorts of uh, Disney Star Wars merch so I can sell my soul, you know, offer my soul on the altar of uh, Disney capitalism. (laughs) But I love it because it's a sweet, sweet Lego set. That's amazing. That's amazing. (laughs) And that and that, as Ian would say, is why I'm a champagne socialist, because (laughs) I rally against capitalism. But man, Lego sets are cool. (laughs) Yeah, I hate capitalism, but man, it gets me cool stuff. Nice, nice. Uh, let's see. This week I am scooping in. I'm going to scoop in. Uh, well, we have one new patron this week, Anthony Benedetti, uh, oh, who is nice. who has actually provided uh, some wonderful music for us last week. And uh, actually, am going to be revamping our intro song, so I might use some of his tunes. We'll see what I can what I can whip up on Audacity. Uh, so just wanted to shout him out. Uh, thank you know, scoop him in the top eight as well, but also for being one of our newest patrons. Thank you for the uh, for the support. We much much appreciated. Um, I'm going to link Joe Dyer's article in the show notes. I'll also have Anthony's uh, YouTube uh, link in the show notes as well. I forgot to put that in last week, so I t- I promised I would put them in this week for him. Um, and I think I think that's it, man. That's all I got this week. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. Also, I wanted to add Joe onto my scoops because uh, I, I love reading Joe's article every week. Uh, even though my delusion brain sometimes thinks it's biweekly, it's not. <laughs> but no, it's not. I love reading Joe's article, and it was a huge help this week. Just kind of organizing all the sweet spoilers for us to talk yeah. about. Uh, also, our episode title from last week, "By the Dip," seems to have paid off because I am up in Dogecoin right now, so that's great. Oh, baby! Get, get, hey guys, get. You cannot say that. <laughs> Just so we're gonna need to bleep that out, otherwise the SEC is gonna be all over our ass. <laughs> <laughs> Do not construe this podcast as financial advice. <laughs> but take my advice. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um no uh it was the worst financial mistake i made this year so. <laughs> <laughs> um but because this is a diarrhea coin because that's a real thing <laughs> uh, i don't want to live on this planet I, anymore <laughs> i don't have any of those so i can say <sighs> i don't is that how that works that's not how it works <laughs> so wait how does how does someone like jim kramer tell you to buy stocks uh, well do you have a series seven license pat Nope. That's, I don't know what any of those words mean. All right, that's and that's why I have a driver's license. And that's why you're not allowed to say these things. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh. Well, I I, I like being low energy path this week. I, I'm curious to see what people think. Uh, what the, you know if they if they dig it, if they hate it, or if they're completely indifferent, which is likely what it is. Uh, we'll see what happens. I liked Bob Ross Pat. Bob Ross Pat. You like Bob cool. Ross Pat? Yeah. Happy little trees. Happy little and trees. Next week. That's all right. Next week, I'm coming back with a vengeance. I'm going to do uh, two bumps of Coke, and we're going to have Alex Jones Pat back on, so it's going to be a good time. <laughs> it's going to be a fucking, it's going to be a whiplash. In the, in the, we're going to have Jim Cramer on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I do need, like, some big, like, buttons to say, buy, sell, buy, sell. I just start smacking them in the middle of the episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it for this week, man. I think that is it. Have a great night, everyone. Yeah, enjoy enjoy your weekend. I hope it's wonderful. Uh, uh, yeah, that's it. Bye. Bye. Bye.